So we are in Genesis chapter 29. <clears throat> Last time in chapter 28, we saw um, after Jacob had deceived Isaac and Esau and stolen Esau's blessing, uh, Esau was going to uh, wait till Isaac died and then he was going to kill Jacob. <clears throat> so Jacob uh, departed. Uh, his mother, Rebecca, went and told Isaac to send Jacob away so that he wouldn't marry one of the Canaanite women. So uh, Isaac did that, so Jacob departed. And then we saw after that that Jacob found a place uh, where he stayed, and Jacob was alone. Uh, he went with nothing, had nothing, and had nobody. Uh, he made a uh, pillow out of stones, and he had a dream, and that's where he met God. Uh, for the first time, and God became real to him at that point, and God promised him, uh, passed along to him the uh, promise that uh, was given to Abraham, and also told him that he would be with him. So at that point, Jacob said, since God is going to be with me, I will serve him, and he committed his life to serving God at that point, and even committed uh, to giving 10% of all that he ever earned and all that he ever gotten. Uh, he committed to give that uh, to God. So now when we pick up here in chapter 29, we will see uh, <clears throat> Jacob arriving uh, at Haran. So chapter 29, we'll start reading in verse number 1. <clears throat> Then Jacob went on his journey, talking about after he had met with God and he set up a pillar and anointed it with oil and committed his life to the Lord. <clears throat> Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. The land of the people of the east was the land of Haran. So if you remember, Ur the Chaldees, where Abraham initially left, where his family initially was from, was down near the Persian Gulf. Uh, they went up the Euphrates River. Uh, rather than cutting across the desert, and they went up to Haran, which was about a halfway point. Uh, then they came down southwest, down into Canaan, where current uh, Israel is. So here Jacob was leaving Canaan, which is around where Israel is, and he went northeast up back up to Haran. So Haran is where uh, Laban uh, Rebecca's brother lived, which was Jacob's uncle. So that's where he was headed. And in verse 1, it says that, that he arrived there. Verse number 2, And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. So we don't know what well this is. Uh, it is very possible that this is the same well that Abraham's servant went and where he initially uh, met Rebekah that he took home uh, to be Isaac's wife. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say it's the same well, but it possibly could be. Uh, if it is or isn't, it's not really important. 
what is important is that we are in a very similar situation here. Um, but this time, instead of it being a servant, uh, it was uh, the son himself being Jacob uh, who was there. Now, uh, in verse number three there, I've got a uh, quote from Adam Clark in the notes. It is very likely the stone was a large one which was necessary to prevent ill-minded individuals from either disturbing the water or filling up the well. Hence, a great stone was provided, which required the joint exertions of several shepherds to remove it, and hence those who arrived first waited till all the others were come up that they might water their respective flocks in concert. So that's why we see here uh, three different herds, three different flocks with three different shepherds, just kind of hanging out at the well with this big stone on it, uh, because the um, <clears throat> process was that they would wait till everybody gathered, and then they would move the stone. So the stone must have been a big one, because it obviously took several people, or it was that only a certain group had the authority to move the stone. So the people that got there first, if they weren't the ones that whatever owned the well or they didn't have the authority to move the stone, they had to wait for the people that did have the authority to move the stone to show up. And we'll see a little bit more of that <clears throat> here in just a moment. Uh, and in verse number four, Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran we are. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. So here he's having this conversation with these shepherds. And they said, Yes, we know. We're from Haran. Yes, we know Laban. And by the way, that's Rachel his daughter coming over there. So she was a, a ways off at this point. So they said, That's his daughter and he's coming. So if you look in the notes, John Phillips uh, made a very interesting uh, comment here. He said, those were not the mild and picturesque shepherds we see on Christmas cards. They would be fierce-looking men with daggers in their belts and swarthy, bearded faces. Men accustomed to roughing it in the wilds in all kinds of weather. Men able to face wolves, lions, or thieves. They would have eyed the approaching stranger with a mixture of curiosity and hostility. As Jacob came to the well, he held them. He was not bashful with strangers. Jacob was never marked by embarrassment or by a sense of inferiority. Now remember, Jacob, that's his personality and that's who he was. However, he was even more emboldened now because he had the confidence that God had made the promises to him. He had heard about the covenant that God made with Abraham. He heard about how that, that, was, that covenant had been passed down to his father Isaac from Abraham and it skipped Ishmael because Ishmael was born of Hagar who was an Egyptian handmaid. So, and now he met God himself and God personally gave him the covenant, gave him the promise, and promised that he would always be with him. So at this point, Jacob was even more emboldened and more self-confident, uh, not even confident of himself, but confident in himself because God was with him. Uh, 
So, and I loved what John Phillips said. If you think about the shepherds, this was a rough group of men. Uh, and I, I read another commentator that talked about the conversation, how, how um, it wasn't super friendly, okay? So when you read it, uh, Jacob said, uh, whence are ye? And they said, of Haran we are. And then they just stopped. So it's like there was no, uh, they just answered the question and that was it. So then Jacob said, okay, well, you're of Haran. He said, uh, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So I doubt there were smiles on their faces. They're probably trying to figure out who is this guy we've never seen before that just showed up all by himself, and he's asking all these questions. So they were probably very suspicious um, because they had to deal with thieves all the time. This could have been somebody scoping out so the, the, maybe he was with a group of thieves that were going to raid and steal their flocks or their herds. So he was trying to scope out who you are, what are you doing. See, I've always been very suspicious of people uh, when I meet them for the first time and they start asking all these questions and like what my family history and where I've been and where I work and what do I do and all this kind of stuff. When we first moved down to South Carolina, the a man uh, family moved in across the road from us just a couple months after we uh, moved in down there. And uh, he came over, and I saw him out in the yard, and we waved at each other, and we kind of met there in the road, and we were chatting. And he had all these questions. He wanted to know if I was married. He wanted to know where I work. He wanted to know where, where we're from, how long we've been there. Did we have kids? Uh, did I travel all the time? And all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting here going, I don't know you, and I'm not telling you when I'm not home and when I am home and when my wife's here by herself. I was like, you know, who are you and why are you asking all these questions? So anytime somebody starts asking those kind of questions, I get very uh, hesitant to answer because I'm like, okay, this is not, this is where I work and how often am I out of town is not a normal question that somebody should answer. So I was very weary of this guy. But here, I'm sure that these uh, rough around the edges shepherds were probably looking at Jacob like, who is this guy and why is he asking all these questions? Um, then, after they said, well, well, right there is Rachel, uh, Laban's daughter. She's a coming with the sheep. And while she was on her way, he asked another question. He basically said, why, why are all y'all just sitting around here? <laughs> you, you're here at the well and you're all just kind of hanging around your flocks are just hanging out here why don't you why don't you move the stone and and uh, water your herds <clears throat> um, and well that's where we get into verse 7 he said and lo it is yet high day neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together water ye the sheep and go and feed them he's saying you don't have to wait on the the cattle herdsman to get here he said the cattle herds it's high day the cattle herdsmen aren't coming just move the stone and water your sheep and then take them back out to pasture and feed them. But then they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. So that's when they told him, he's like, no, that's not the custom here. We can't do it. Notice uh, before it said, kind of a prequel to this, it said that... Uh, the stone was there in verse number three. 
uh, and thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and put the stone again. But here, what did the shepherds, what did the herdsmen say uh, to Jacob? They said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together and till they roll the stone away. So they didn't say, we can't till everybody gets here and then we all roll the stone away. They said, we can't until all the flocks be gathered and they roll the stone away. Which tells me, it insinuates to me, that they didn't have the authority to move the stone. It wasn't that they didn't have the ability to move the stone. They didn't have the authority to move the stone because they were waiting for them to get here because they had to move the stone. So that's why I believe that it was they, they were waiting on the boss, <laughs> the big boss, the person that had the authority, the ownership of the well. Maybe it was just the biggest, meanest, baddest dude that said, nobody better move this stone till I get here. I have no idea, but they were waiting on them to come because they had to move the stone. And I think that's important, okay? Um, he said, then we water the sheep. Verse number nine, and while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. Now, here we know that Rachel was a shepherd of the sheep. She wasn't keeping them temporarily just today. She wasn't uh, getting her feel of getting out of the house because she told the shepherds, hey, let me take the sheep down. Bible says that she kept them so that she was a shepherd. She tended the sheep every single day. This was her flock. It was her father's flock, but it was her flock. Say, so, well, why would a woman in this day be a shepherd or a shepherdess, whatever you want to call it, and keep the sheep? Well, it's because if uh, a family, if a man did not have sons and all he had was daughters, well, then the daughters had to keep the sheep. They, they had to do that work. It had to be taken care of. Now, even if it was a son, would they have had other servants uh, and helpers, so to speak, under shepherds? Probably. So she may have had other, you know, one or two other folks that were uh, employees of her father that was helping her, but she was in charge. She was the, the shepherd. She was the uh, herdman of the sheep. Uh, so she was in charge here because the Bible says that she kept the sheep. So, and that also goes back to kind of the family history, okay? So when the servant came, and uh, Rebecca was there. What did Rebecca do? Without being asked, she offered to water all ten of his camels, which we talked about that that was no easy task because camels drank a whole lot of water. So she watered, she drew enough water to water all ten camels without even being asked. So she was a really hard worker. So now here we have her niece, her brother's daughter, and she is a really hard worker, too, because she's out tending the sheep. She takes care of the sheep. Um, she tends uh, the sheep. Um, now, it didn't take Jacob long to locate Laban and his family. Uh, he asked, and they told him, he asked these shepherds, 
they told him that Laban was doing well uh, and that Rachel was coming. Now Rachel has shown up um, in verse number 10, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So two things. One theory is, is that the stone was too big and these, at least three shepherds, okay, because you had three flocks, so there was at least three shepherds. They probably had a couple other people with them helping tend the herds as well. But the one theory is, is that they weren't strong enough to move this rock, okay? So they were waiting on the other shepherds to get there so they could all move it together. Another thought, and what kind of what I feel was, is that they didn't have the authority to move it. It's not that they didn't have the physical ability. They said, we are waiting for them, and they will roll the stone away. So here, Jacob, being Jacob, okay, being bold, I wouldn't say that Jacob was arrogant, but he was very self-confident. And now he also had the boldness of knowing that God was with him. When he saw Rachel, and he saw that this was Laban's daughter, his uncle, and this was Laban's sheep, he took it upon himself to move this stone. And he did it by himself. So, a couple of things. Either... He knew that there was nothing going to happen to him because Laban was well known in the area and if they wanted to do anything to him, these shepherds that were coming, if they, if they wanted to have a beef with the fact that he moved the stone, they would also have to deal with his uncle Laban because he moved it for Laban's sheep. So he was probably a little bit emboldened by that. But I kind of picture it too. And there's no scripture to back this up. This is just uh, what I call Terryology. This is Terry's opinion, okay? I see, and listen, you put yourselves, you men, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This beautiful, beautiful woman, he's, he came looking for a bride. That, that's his whole purpose. He came there looking for a wife. He was told to find a wife of his mother's family, the first person he meets is Rachel. We will find out later that she was an extremely beautiful woman. So he lays eyes on her and finds out, I can see his chest bulge out, and he's going to show off. So he starts moving this stone to impress Rachel. Now, once again, that's my opinion. But I can see that because I'm a man, and I did stuff like that. To I Listen, I still try to do stuff like that to impress my wife. Um, She's not very impressed with anything I do anymore, but still we, we still try, right? So that's, that's what I see. Number one, he went out of his way to take care of his family, to make an impression, but I think also he was trying to impress Rachel a little bit with his, with his boldness, with his strength. I'm going to move this rock. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. Uh, so he stepped up and he moved it, okay? Uh, in verse number 11, and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, a lot of people here will say, boy, Jacob went all the way that he just ran up and started kissing on Rachel. Well, this was not a passionate kiss that you would think of. This was a greeting kiss that, that families would greet each other with. It was kind of like where they kiss on each cheek. That's what it was. 
And the reason why we know that is because uh, the next verse, it says, uh, Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So as soon as she found out that this was uh, Rebekah's son, she immediately ran and went and told Laban. And now we see that in verse number 13, it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him. Was this a passionate kiss out of love? No, this was a kiss of greeting. So this was the same kind of kiss that Jacob gave to Rachel. It was a kiss of greeting because of family, the same way that Laban came out and kissed him. So could you read into it that it was a passionate kiss? You could, but you would have to understand at this day, if you had went up and put a big smooch, a passionate kiss on a woman, her father would have probably killed you. <laughs> okay, you, you did not do that. If, if you did that today, the woman would probably smack you across the face, right? And her husband or boyfriend would probably have a problem with it. Uh, if she was a teenage girl, her daddy would definitely have a problem with it. So I don't think this was a passionate kiss. I think it was a kiss of greeting the same way that um, <clears throat> Laban uh, greeted Jacob. Um, uh, it's ironic that Rebecca watered all ten of the servants' camels when she came seeking when when he came seeking a bride for Isaac, and now their son comes to Haran seeking a bride. We find him at the well, and he's voluntarily watering the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Um, so now we see that Rachel ran uh, and told her father Laban, and Laban came out and met him. Now, verse fourteen. Uh, gets really interesting. And Laban said unto him, now first of all, you got to understand, Laban came out, heard about Jacob, ran to meet him, embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house and he told Laban all these things. So basically he told Laban why he was there. Now whether or not he told him that he had tricked Isaac and stole the blessing and the birthright, I, don't, I doubt it. I doubt he went that far. Uh, he probably just said, hey, your sister, my mother, Rachel, uh, and my father sent me here to find a bride, told me not to marry uh, one of the Canaanite women. He probably told him about his encounter with God and how that uh, the, the covenant that was given to Abraham had been passed down to Isaac and now it passed down to him. We don't know that for sure, but it's, it's likely that he told him that. Now in verse 14, so Laban had just met Jacob, and they had had a conversation, and he told him why he was there. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. So why did Laban say, Surely you are my flesh and bone? He said, it's obvious that we are related. Now, it could have been a couple of things. It could be that um, he reminded him of his sister, uh, that when Laban looked at him, he could see, he, you know, he had his sister's eyes and her cheekbones, had her mannerisms. Remember, Jacob spent the majority of his time with his mother. 
because he was favored by his mother. Esau was favored by Isaac. So it is very likely that his personality, the way he talked, the phrases that he used, his mannerisms were very, very much like his mother. So we don't know why he said that, but Laban said, have you all ever seen, like, you, you could see two men standing there, and you go, okay, I don't know who these men are, but they're brothers. You can tell by looking at them, they are brothers. Or you can see, you can see a, an older man and a younger man and go, okay, that's his son. There's no doubt that that's his son. It's it very likely that that's what he... But anyway, whatever happened, Laban had no doubts whatsoever that this was uh, Rebekah's son. It could be that some of the things that he asked him, I'm sure he probably asked him questions that only the son of his sister would know, uh, maybe some family history or things like that. Uh, but he also reminded him of his sister. He could see in him... now. We're going to see that Laban was very deceitful and was very tricky. Uh, so if he told him that, hey, your sister uh, Rebecca told me to deceive my father and we did this and all, then he would say, yep, your bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because that's how our family does things. We're very deceitful and we're very tricky. I doubt very seriously that he said that because what was he doing? He was trying to impress Laban because just like when Isaac first saw Rebekah, it was love at first sight. It was immediate. And I believe the same thing here. As soon as he saw Rachel, he said to himself, the search for a wife is over. I just found her. Okay? <clears throat> so now... In verse 15, now we move into, so basically this chapter is in three parts. One, uh, Jacob meeting Rachel. Then Jacob marries uh, Rachel and her sister Leah. And then the third part is that he starts his family and he has children. So now we're moving into the part where he gets married. Now, he's been with Laban for a month. And uh, apparently he has been carrying his weight. So he's been working. Okay, He hasn't just been living there and eating the food and sleeping until noon. He's been getting up and been doing his fair share of the work. He's been working hard every single day. Say what you want to uh, about Jacob. Jacob was not a lazy man. He was a very hard worker. Uh, people can question his character a little bit. However, I will tell you that Jacob... His personality and his attitude and his mindset changed greatly after his meeting with God uh, in the wilderness and after he committed his life to God. Remember, all the deceitfulness, all the trickiness, the stealing of the birthright, the stealing of the blessing, all that happened before he met God. Uh, now he's committed his life to serving God. And Laban said unto Jacob, verse 15, Because thou art my brother... People say, wait a minute, it's not his brother, it's his nephew. That was the term that they would use, meaning family. Okay, so when you see in the Bible, because you are my brother, it means because you are my family. Uh, Shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? So Laban says, well, you're working hard, you're serving, you know, you're, you're working for me, you're doing all this work. You shouldn't serve me and work for me for nothing. What do you want to get paid? 
Ah, just the opportunity that Jacob was waiting for. So what does Jacob want? What kind of payment? Does he say, I want $25 an hour and health insurance and some dental coverage and all that kind of stuff? That's not what he said at all because that's not what was important to him. Money was not his priority. So let's see what his priority was. Laban uh, had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So we see what was on his mind. He, he was already in love with Rachel. He'd only been there a month, and it said he loved Rachel. He fell in love immediately, and I'm sure, and all of you have, uh, are either currently dating or went through dating, you know that uh, I, can, I can picture it in my mind as Jacob entered for set down for evening dinner. He looked around and figured out uh, where uh, Rachel was sitting and either sat across from her or next to her, you know, tried everything he could to have conversations with her, to be at the same place at the same time, probably offering to help her water the sheep and tend the sheep, probably trying to spend as much time with her as he could because he was smitten. He was in love. So a couple things here. There's two daughters. Leah is older, and Rachel is the younger. And it says in verse 17, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, there's a couple of things. That word tender-eyed means uh, soft. Um, let's see. Let me, let me get the notes here. Um, it comes from a Hebrew word meaning rak, R-A-K, which means weak, faint, soft, or tender. Most people believe that she was, had very poor eyesight that she was nearsighted, farsighted, she couldn't see, uh, so she struggled to get through life because she just had really bad eyesight. Um, it doesn't make sense to say that because here the writer is comparing Leah to Rachel, and it said that she was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful. Okay, you, I mean, Leah could have been beautiful, but just couldn't see, right? I don't think that's what it meant. What I think it means and what... You know, there's, there's debate on what it means, and it's okay if you don't agree. But I believe that it's saying that she was tender-eyed. She, have, she had soft, beautiful eyes, but that was really her only physical attribute. Other than that, she wasn't all that attractive. Because it says she was tender-eyed, she had really pretty eyes, but Rachel was the complete package. <laughs> she was beautiful from head to toe. She had everything, okay? It doesn't mean... That, that Leah was a bad person and Rachel was a good, it had nothing to do with character. We're only talking about physical appearance. That's why I don't think it means that she had poor eyesight because you don't talk about the eyesight of, of one sister and the beauty of another sister. She, he's comparing beauty to beauty, I think. Okay? But <clears throat> irregardless whether she had poor eyesight or not, uh, her sister Rachel was much more attractive than she was. That was obvious, okay? <clears throat> Jacob loved Rachel and offered to work seven years. So why did Jacob work seven years? Why did he offer to work seven years? 
Isaac didn't have to work a single day to get Rebekah. So why does Jacob have to offer to work seven years? Well, because when you requested a bride, you had to give a dowry. Basically, you had to buy her. <laughs> you had to pay off the family to get the rights to marry the daughter. So Isaac did not have to work because the servant brought all kinds of wealth and gifts and gave Laban gifts, gave uh, Rebecca gifts, and was throwing, throwing $100 bills around, right? <laughs> Paying off everybody. Here's all kinds of... So he, he gave the dowry to Laban, even though it was, uh, Rachel, Rebecca was Laban's sister. Laban was the head of the family because the, uh, Rebecca and Laban's father had passed away. So Laban did the negotiating uh, for the marriage. So here Jacob's got nothing. He doesn't even have a servant. He traveled alone. He was, he was running from his brother. He was running from his family. His parents sent him away so that he wouldn't get killed and so that he wouldn't marry a Canaanite woman. So he showed up. He didn't have uh, two nickels to rub together. He didn't have nothing. So he had nothing to offer other than himself and seven years worth of work. So that's what he offered. I'll work for you for seven years. Now, how many of you men would work seven years for your bride. Well, I've been working more than seven years for mine. <laughs> she works me to death. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. All right, so he offers to work seven years. And um, Laban said, in verse number 19, uh, it is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. So, Laban was real impressed with old Jacob, wasn't he? His response wasn't, well, you're a great guy, and I would love to have you as a son-in-law. He didn't say you would make a great husband for my daughter. He said, well, it'd be better for me to give her to you than somebody else. <laughs> so maybe Laban was hiding his excitement. I don't know. But that wasn't a real reassuring comment, was it? Well, you're better than anybody else around here. Um, so he said, abide with me. He said, the deal was done. I agreed to the terms. You work seven years, and you can have Rachel. Verse number 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. He was so in love that seven years passed like just a few days. He was so excited and looking so forward. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been looking so forward to something that's happening in the future that you don't even pay attention to the day-to-day -day things that are going on right now? However, usually when we're looking forward to something like that, it seems like time passes slower, doesn't it? Remember when you were a kid? The two weeks before Christmas felt like six months because you were looking to Christmas and Christmas can't get here fast enough. The gifts are under the tree. Well, that's, that's what the way Jacob was. The gifts were wrapped in under the tree. He saw Rachel every single day. And he's like, six years, 11 months, and 29 days, she's mine. <laughs> six years, 11 months, 28 days, she's mine. <laughs> right? He was counting down. But it just, it passed so quickly because he was so full of joy. He was so full of love that the days seemed like nothing. 
and they passed swiftly for him. Verse 22, And Laban gathered together all the men of the palace. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Skip too far ahead. Verse 21, Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. So literally, he counted down. So the morning that hit seven years, whatever this day was, if it was June 1st, seven years ago, on June 1st, the first thing he did, he didn't, he, didn't need a, he didn't need a scrambled egg. He didn't need a piece of bacon. He went to Laban and he said, give me my wife. I have now served seven years. So he demanded his payment at this moment. And I don't think he waited till the evening. He did that, I believe, first thing in the morning. He'd been waiting seven years for this moment. Verse 22, Laban gathered together all the men of the palace, I mean of the place, and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then... Hast thou beguiled me? So now Jacob is on the receiving end. <laughs> he was on the giving end, but now he's on the receiving end. And uh, it wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, where are we at? Yeah, so in the notes in verse 25. <clears throat> in God dealing with men, no one gets away with anything. Matthew 7, 2 says, With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And Galatians 6, 7 teaches us, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Laban palmed, off, uh, palmed Leah off on Jacob, and all the while he thought the bride he was getting was Rachel. Laban's methods were underhanded, despicable, and mean. He disregarded Jacob's feelings for his own gain, and he did not care. Now, if we go back seven years in Jacob's life, we would see him standing before his old blind father pretending to be Esau. Jacob's methods were underhanded, despicable, and mean. He disregarded Isaac and Esau's feelings for his own gain, and he did not care. It would seem that he was bitten by the same snake that he used to bite Isaac and Esau with. Apparently the brother and the sister, Laban and Rebekah, were both very cunning and deceitful. God's wheels of justice may turn slowly, but they are always turning. So where did this whole idea come to steal the blessing and to pretend he was Esau? It came from his mother, Rebekah. So we find out that it's a family trait. Laban is just as deceitful and underhanded as his sister is. Now, whether he got it from his sister or whether his sister got it from him, we don't know, but we know that they were two peas in a pot. All right. So Jacob was on the uh, winning side of one deceit, and he's on the losing side of the other deceit. Now, people would say, wait a minute. How in the world could he not know that this wasn't Rachel? All right, well, a couple of things. One, 
the bride would have been very heavily veiled in the ceremony. Two, it said that it was in the evening, so Laban waited until after the wedding ceremony, after they probably were doing a lot of celebrating and drinking, whatever, and he waited till late in the evening. He delivered Leah to Jacob's tent, heavily veiled. It was probably dark, and they went inside. They consummated the marriage, uh, and then... Jacob's laying there next to his bride. He wakes up in the morning and he rolls over and realizes this is not Rachel. <laughs> what in the world is going on? So he confronts Laban and says, what have you done to me? <clears throat> um, verse 26, and Laban said, son, it must not be be so done in our country to give the younger before, before the firstborn. He said, no, you don't understand. Here where we're from, you can't marry off your younger daughter until you marry off the older daughter. So you had to marry Leah first. Pretty good little trick, wasn't it? Okay, now, people say, well, she was really ugly, whatever. I, I know this. I know that their size of their body was probably the same. It wasn't that Leah weighed 300 pounds and Rachel weighed, you know, 104. They were, they were about the same size or else he would have immediately known this is not Rachel, right? Uh, but basically, uh, she wasn't super attractive. Maybe she couldn't see good. Uh, Laban thought, well, first of all, I'm going to have a hard time finding anybody to marry Leah. First of all. And second of all, if I do find somebody to marry her, I'm not going to get anything for her. So this was a win-win. He got seven years of labor, and he got rid of his homely daughter. Okay? So now, in verse 27, Laban says, Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet another seven years. So what does this fulfill her week mean? There was a week of celebration after a, after a marriage, uh, and that week the, the husband and the wife were treated like royalty. They were taken care of. Basically, they didn't have to work. They didn't have to do anything. Meals were brought to them. They were able to get to know each other and spend the whole week together um, and, and didn't have to go anywhere or do anything. What we would think of as a honeymoon, right? They didn't have to go to work every day. So he said, fulfill her week, then, then we will give you uh, Rachel, but you got to serve another seven years for Rachel. The only good news is you don't have to wait seven years. You get Rachel, you get your payment up front, and then you have to work seven years after that. Okay. Um, verse 29, and Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, the handmaid, to be her maid, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served him yet seven other years. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people will say, and, and we're going to get into a couple of scriptures here in a minute where it says that Leah was hated. Uh, Jacob did not hate Leah. He did not mistreat her. He did not abuse her. Because here it says that... Uh, he loved Rachel more than Leah. So it's not that he didn't love Leah. It's just he loved Rachel more. Rachel was his true love. Leah was the wife he got stuck with. Okay? 
So he didn't mistreat her. He didn't hate her. Uh, he didn't abuse her. It was just that his true love was, was Rachel and would always be Rachel. We'll see that he'll end up getting two more wives, but Rachel was always the, the one that he loved. All right, verse 31, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And we see this word hated. It does mean to hate or be uh, an enemy, but really I don't think it means that he was hated. I think that means that she was ignored, uh, that she wasn't, uh, it, she wasn't Jacob's priority. So I don't think he mistreated her. I don't think he abused her. I think that it caused problems between the sisters Okay, there was, and we're going to see that there was huge competition between the sisters. Um, but I don't think the word hated means that Jacob beat her every day or anything like that. Verse 32, and Leah conceived and bare a son. So this, this is now beginning the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, so Leah bore a son and called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. She conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. So we get to the third son, and what is she saying? Now my husband will be drawn to me. So first son, Jacob's feelings for her didn't change. Second son, Jacob's feelings for her didn't change. She thought, Third son, surely Jacob now will love me more than Rachel. Nope. Um, and his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. So if you look in the notes really quick, verse 31, Leah was hated. Rachel was loved. So God blessed Leah and made her fertile. And Rachel was barren. Verse 30 says Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, but here it is said that she was hated. Probably means that she was ignored by Jacob rather than mistreated. He loved Rachel more, which obviously caused hard feelings between the sisters. Verse 32 and 35, Leah gives birth to Jacob's first four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Reuben means look, a son. Simeon means hearing, which means he came because God heard Leah's prayer. Levi means attachment. It expressed Leah's confidence that bearing Jacob a third son would assure his attachment to her. And Judah means praise because Leah praised the Lord. Judah is the line through which Christ would come. So we see that as much as Rachel was loved and Leah was hated, the covenant of God, the covenant that God made with Abraham would come through Leah, not Rachel. It is important to note that Leah named all her sons. We will see later out of the twelve uh, out of all 12 of his sons, Jacob only names one of them. He, he names the, uh, the baby of the family, the last born son. Um, the other thing I will tell you real quickly, we, we, we saw the uh, cave of Machlopith where Abraham and Sarah was buried, where uh, Isaac and Rebekah was buried. It's also where Jacob was buried, but Rachel was not buried there. Leah was. Just an FYI, we'll get to that. But Leah was buried in the uh, family uh, tomb, not Rachel, even though Rachel was his favored wife. 
All right, we will pick up in uh, chapter 30 next week.